You know, as I was walking up tonight, it dawned on me, 30 years ago, this month, I was ordained into the gospel ministry. And I say that 30 years ago, literally this month, I say that because I told somebody before the service, I feel on the inside like I'm preaching my first sermon (laughs) all over again. Uh, It's amazing what a hundred days will do. But for a hundred days, I've not preached to people. I've preached to that camera right there. And I even today, this morning, I woke up and thought, am I even going to remember how to do it? Like, am I, am I going <laughs> to? But man, you just make it easy. I, I, I'm glad we record digitally and don't have the old recording on tape because you might run out tonight. Um, if y'all are as loud while I preach as you were while you're singing, I might just be here for a minute. <clears throat> Because there's a little bottled up inside of me. But here's what I've learned. Whether it's to you in this room or to you that are watching online, we are desperate for the Holy Spirit of God to take his word and to speak into our lives. So before I dive in, let me just breathe one more word of prayer over us. Father, tonight I realize that I have an opportunity to open your word. And God, I know that preaching is not the dispensing of information. Preaching is proclamation for the purpose of transformation. And that can only happen by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, there's some people in this room tonight to hear this, but there are going to be thousands more online this Sunday watching this. And I pray right now for all of them that the Holy Spirit of God would take the Word of God and speak into our lives. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen. School was never one of my favorite things when I was a kid. And if you, hey, I knew, I thought I might have some brother and sisterhood with that tonight. Uh, Now, if you are an educator, listen, do not take that personally. I know the value of education. I'm just saying when I was a kid, uh, schools being canceled were wonderful for me anytime it happened. I understand its value. I knew it had to be there, but I didn't enjoy school. And least of all subjects for me that I did not enjoy was the study of the English language. Now, some of you have been listening to me preach long enough that you go, yeah, I understand that because you don't (laughs) use it very well. But all the parts of speech and vocabulary, spelling tests, writing, literature, all of that, it's, it just was not something that I look forward to. When I was in, in, in high school, one of my English teachers, who I'll leave nameless, did not appreciate my lack of appreciation 
for the English language, let me just say we had a mutual lack of appreciation. And we had our moments in class together. And I don't remember the exact occasion. I think it was probably Memorial Day weekend. Because heading into Memorial Day weekend, you know, students by Memorial Day are already thinking about getting out of school for the summer and they're already kind of beginning to check out. And that's kind of where I was. And, and my teacher gave us an assignment over Memorial Day weekend that we had to write a poem on the subject of freedom. Now, the only thing that I enjoyed less than writing at that time in my life was having to then publicly speak in front of other people. Again, I know you think that's humorous now because I public speak all the time and now I'm a published author. So God's got a sense of humor. Amen. But she said, we're going to take these poems that you write and then next week you're all going to read them in front of the class. So the two things that I didn't look forward to the most, she gave us an assignment to do both of them. I personally thought it was an attack against me. But in that moment, I was inspired. I went home over that weekend and I couldn't wait to write this poem because I had an idea and I thought it was just going to bless my teacher's heart. So I came back next week ready to read my poem and I'm going to read you a little excerpt of it. Here's what I said. The freedom of which I'm about to tell is not about flags or the Liberty Bell. It is that freedom which comes each June when the school bell rings its final tune. And I went on eloquently for a couple of paragraphs and then I closed it like this. There it goes, the bell just rang. It's time to kick off summer with a bang. As the great Dr. King spoke in the past, thank God Almighty, we're free at last. <laughs> now, you can imagine my English teacher did not receive it with quite the enthusiasm that you did. But she did have to give me an A because it was pretty good. What I have come to understand since my high school experience is the power of language. If you look up the word language in the dictionary, language is communication with words. Communication with words. Words are powerful. If you're reading along with us in Proverbs, today you read the 18th proverb. I want to show you a verse out of Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know what that teaches us? Words are powerful. We've seen evidence of this in history. There was a man in history whose name was Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler wrote an autobiographical manifesto of hate called Mein Kampf. For every word in that manifesto, 125 people died. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've also seen it positively in history. Martin Luther King Jr., he brought to life an entire nation 
with four simple words. I have a dream. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's not just true in history. It's also true in our families. This weekend is Father's Day. We're celebrating fathers this weekend. Dads, I want you to know something. Your words are powerful. Don't ever underestimate the power of your words and the lives of your children. One of the responsibilities, dads, that we have, we have many responsibilities as dads, but one of the responsibilities we have every day is to fill the emotional tank of our children. And one of the ways we do that is with our words. With our words, we can speak life. With our words, we can speak encouragement. We get to build them up and shape them into the men and women of God that they're to be. And we can do that with our words. Now, dads, you won't always get it right. That's why sometimes the most powerful words you can say to your kids are, I'm sorry. You'll never know the life you'll breathe into your children with those little words, I'm sorry. Had to do it this week with one of my kids. I, I said something and meant it with the best of intentions, but it didn't come out that way. And I had to go to my child and say, hey, I'm, I'm dad sorry. I didn't mean it to hurt you that way. We have an opportunity to speak life. As we continue our study this weekend through the book of Proverbs, as you've read this week, I hope you notice God has a lot to say about our words. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of words out of Proverbs. And I think what I want to say is going to obviously be applicable to dads because of the responsibility that you and I have to speak life into our children, into our families. But what I want to share with you this weekend is even more significant than just an application to dads. What I want to share with you this weekend is applicable to every one of us. We are living in the midst of a society right now where we are tearing each other apart with our words. So I want to dive into Proverbs and pull out some truth about the power of words that I, sp I think and pray will speak right into where we are living right now. I want to give you a sampling from this week. If you read Proverbs every day, we started on Monday in chapter 15. We end on Sunday with chapter 21. I want to show you that in every day this week in Proverbs, God spoke to us about our words. Proverbs chapter 15 in verse 1. Look what it says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Chapter 17. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Proverbs 18, we quoted it a moment ago, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 19, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who tells lies will not escape. Proverbs 20, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. Proverbs 21, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. There's seven days of Proverbs speaking right to a 
us about our words. And that's just a sampling because just in this seven days of Proverbs, there are over 25 specific verses speaking right to this issue of the power of words. So let me put a big idea up on the screen. Everything that I want to say is really built around this statement. A wise way to live is being careful with your words. Can I just say, I don't know anybody in our society right now that doesn't need to hear that statement. A wise way to live is being careful with your words. Wisdom and Proverbs teaches us we need to be careful with the words that we say, that we communicate with other people. There's power in words. I want you to think about the flip side of this statement. The foolish way to live is to be careless with your words. A wise way to live is to be careful with our words, but a foolish way. The Bible teaches us that we are being fools. You say, you're not supposed to call anybody a fool. Listen, if the Bible calls it a fool, the Bible calls it a fool. And the Bible says a foolish way to live is to be careless with the way that we use our words. So what I want to do tonight is give you three aspects of being careful with our words. Let's unpack it. First of all, here's number one what we speak. That's the first aspect of being careful. I must say the right thing. What we speak matters. Let me show it to you in Proverbs chapter 21. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. The word guards here is a word that means to watch over, to be careful, to preserve. One aspect of speaking wisely is to carefully choose my words. Well, what happens when we're not careful with what we say? Well, Proverbs speaks to that too. Look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The word rashly here in the Hebrew language is a word that means thoughtlessly or flippantly. It means to speak without thinking or to speak without being careful. The writer of Proverbs here tells us that when we speak rashly, when we're not careful with our words, when we don't think about what we're saying, when what comes through our mind just comes out of our mouth, the writer of Proverbs says that's like the thrusts of a sword. What does that mean? It's describing a person. Imagine if you were walking through a crowd with a sword and you were just swinging that sword around as you walk through the crowd. I would submit to you that by the time you get through the crowd, that's not going to turn out very well. Amen. Somebody's going to get hurt. People are going to get wounded. People that you didn't even intend to hurt are going to be hurt. People that, that weren't even swinging the sword are going to fall and stumble and hurt other people. There's going to be all kinds of chaos and carnage. That's the picture. The unguarded mouth, the unguarded word is a dangerous weapon that can wound everyone in its path. If we're not careful with our words, we can hurt other people people. The writer of Proverbs gives us examples of things we need to guard against. And I want to give you a couple of those examples. It's not an exhaustive list at all, but it is going to give us some, some food for thought. For example, one of the things we should guard against is lying. 
lying. Lying is speaking something that is not true. Proverbs chapter 19, look at it again. It says, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who tells lies will not escape. A false witness is one who lies. As followers of Jesus, we're to be people of the truth. Not the half truth, not a partial truth, not our version of the truth. As followers of Jesus, we're to be men and women that speak truthfully. One of the ways we guard our words is to make sure what we're saying is true. Paul wrote about this in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what Paul said. He said, therefore, laying aside falsehood. Now, if you know the context of Ephesians 4, Paul is writing here about stuff that we're supposed to take off that's who we used to be before Christ. And now here's the stuff we should put on because of who we are in Christ. Paul says, we need to take off, we need to lay aside falsehood. What is that? It's lying, it's being dishonest, it's misrepresenting the truth. But he says, every one of us should speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. When it comes to the truth, we should be careful with our words. We need to make sure that we're speaking truthfully, specifically in the culture and the climate that we're in right now. Everybody wants to convince everybody else of their perspective. We need to be careful that what we're saying is true. Here's another thing we need to be careful of. Two other things. We said lying. Here's another one. Gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. Proverbs talks about both of these things. Both of these are conversations about the personal details of other people's lives. Gossip, for example, is saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. It's gossip. Slander is abusive words that are meant or spoken to damage a person's reputation or character. Gossip and slander are some of the most dangerous weapons of the enemy in assaulting the body of Christ. And unfortunately, so many times he uses us to do it to each other. And as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be careful Proverbs says the wise thing to do is to be careful with your words. We need to avoid gossip and slander. And let me just say this. If you watch the Wednesdays in the Word devotional, I address this just a little bit Wednesday morning. But if you are somebody that lives in the world of social media, social media is a major outlet today that a lot of people use for gossip and slander. Now, social media is just a tool. It can be good. It can be bad. It's not either. It's, it's how you choose to use it. But so many people today are using it in a way that they're either saying things about people they would never say to their face because one of the dangers of social media is it removes the filter of having to look into the eyes of the person that you're talking to and see how they're going to respond. It is a cowardly thing to say stuff about people on social media that you don't don't have the courage to look them in the eye and say to their face. And as Christians, we should be careful with our words because if we're careless, it's like walking around with a sword and we're just wounding everybody. Let me give you four wise tips for being careful with social media. 
not gonna spend a lot of time on these. I'm gonna put them up here so you can, you can jot them down or take a picture of it. Number one, check your heart before you start. There's some great verses in Ephesians chapter four. I won't read them tonight, but Ephesians chapter four contrasts bitterness, anger, malice, wrath, clamor with gentleness, kindness, goodness. I need to check my heart. When I sit down to go post, when I sit down to go comment, I need to, before I start, I need to check my heart. Is my heart right? Number two, pray before you post. That'd fix a lot of it right there. Lord, is this pleasing to you? And just give him 10 seconds before you hit sin. Say, where's that in the Bible? Paul said, pray without ceasing. You know what pray without ceasing means? It doesn't describe getting on your knees and staying there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It means everything I'm doing, I'm doing in conversation with my father throughout the day. So before I hit sin or before I hit post, I need to pray, God, is this of you? Am I, am I representing you, your kingdom, and your character in the right way? Number three, make sure someone you trust has read it before you spread it. I practice this in my, uh, Teddy's over here. He can tell you, Travis is in here. A lot of times before I, I got something ready to go and I'll send it to one of them and say, what do you think? And they say, pastor, you probably shouldn't do that. Let somebody you trust look at that before you send it out. And then here's the last thing. When in doubt, don't. You can't have peace from God and a check in your spirit at the same time. Can't coexist. If you don't have peace about what you're about to do, when in doubt, don't. We won't read it, but Proverbs 17 teaches us the principle that wisdom knows when to walk away. We need to be careful about what we say. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 17, 9. He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Well, that'd be a good filter for us. Amen? Here's another one. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. There's some wisdom. Guard your words and guard the people that you hang out with's words. But it's not just what we say. That's one aspect of how we need to be wise and careful. The second one is how we speak. What we speak is one thing, but how we speak is something else. So I must not only say the right thing, I must say the right thing in the right way. That's also important. You can say the right thing in the wrong way and lose your audience. Listen to these writings in Proverbs. Here's, I want to put these three up here on the screen together. And I want you to look at these three Proverbs. One's out of Proverbs chapter 15. Look what it says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. Look at the second one out of Proverbs 15. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. What do each of those verses have in common? Here's what each of those verses have in common. They speak to the attitude of my words, not the content of my words. You can say the right thing 
the wrong way. I'm going to be real vulnerable with you for a moment. That's one of my weaknesses, that my wife has the spiritual gift of correcting in my life. (laughs) What you said was right, but I thank God for that accountability in my life it's it's been one of the ways that God's used her to sharpen me as a follower of Jesus by speaking into my life when I say the right thing but I may say it the wrong way we all do that at times most of the time in our marriage relationship that's me that she's having to correct me on that but I had the special joy not too long ago of getting to correct her on that We were at lunch with another couple. Obviously, you know that's been a minute because you you haven't been able to do that in a while. We were at lunch with another couple a while back, and the husband of this other couple had lost a bunch of weight. And my wife looked at him and said, Man, you look great. You used to be as big as Vance. (laughs) Now, what she said was true. It was right. But after lunch, I helped her see a more excellent way (laughs) and how to communicate that. Because even though it was the right thing, it was the wrong way. Now, in a more serious way, we've all been there. We've all done it. But Paul speaks to this issue directly in the New Testament in two letters. In the book of Colossians and in Ephesians, Paul speaks to us. Listen to what he says. Let your speech always be with, say it out loud. Let your speech always be with what? Grace. Grace. Grace, saturated with grace, as though seasoned with salt, making it tasty and palatable so that you will know how to respond to each person. He said the same thing in another way in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, speaking the truth in love. It's not just speaking the truth. It's speaking the truth in love. Man, that would help us right now. We need to hear the truth from each other. We need to do a lot of listening to each other right now. But we need to speak the truth in love. I must not only ask God for the right words, I must ask God for the right heart. What I have to say may be valuable, valuable, but it's often lost in translation if my attitude is wrong. But then there's a third aspect of this. Not just what we speak and how we speak, but when we speak. I must say the right thing in the right way at the right time. You can say the right thing in the right way. At the wrong time. Proverbs speaks to this. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a, say the next word out loud. A what? A timely word. The word timely is a word that means in Hebrew, at the suitable moment meaning it's not just what they need to hear 
It's when they need to hear it. It's at the right time. Proverbs 25, we'll get there next week, but listen to this verse of scripture. It's one of my favorite about this subject. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken at the right moment. In Hebrew, that that phrase right circumstances means the optimal moment. It's right on time. You ever had somebody speak to you, man, it was just right on time? Alex is over here. Alex sent me an email last week and I told him when I came out tonight, man, I was going through some stuff in my own life and man, he spoke a word into my life and I told him over here before the service, man, it was just right on time. It was what I needed to hear. It was the way I needed to hear it and it was right in the moment when I needed that word spoken into my life. It's possible to say the right thing in the right way, but at the wrong time. So when we're thinking about being careful with our words, we need to say the right thing. We need to guard our mouths. At the, in the right way, we need to guard our hearts. And at the right time, we need to make sure we're listening to the Holy Spirit in the delivery of what we're speaking now, you can hear this, and you can begin to kind of think, man, I, I better just never talk at all, right? <laughs> now, Proverbs said, even the fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. It might help us all to keep it shut more often. But what Proverbs is not teaching us is that we can't speak, and it's sure not teaching us that we shouldn't speak out. We need to speak out. Proverbs is going to talk to us more as you read on into Proverbs. You get to chapter 31. Proverbs talks about, there's a lot right now of people that are speaking out about injustice and speaking about this and that needs to happen. We need to be people that use our voices in speaking out. But in doing so, we need to do it at the, we need to do it with the right words. We need to do it at the right time. We need to do it in the right way. Maybe you think, how how do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm guarding my words and being careful in a wise way? Well, let me close by giving you two simple practices that I think will help us all guard our words. Here's the first one. Surrender your words to the control of the Holy Spirit. Just surrender your words to the control of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like for me. Usually in the morning as a part of my God time, I kind of pray through my body. You say, what do you mean by that? Lord, today I give you my hands. Today I give you my eyes, my ears, my feet, my mind, my heart. Then I'll say, God, today I give you my mouth. Sometimes I'll pray the words of David, what David say in the psalm. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's usually how I start my day, but then here's what has to happen throughout the day. I have to surrender it again. Because something happens, and before you know it, something comes out that shouldn't have come out. 
And yet, Lord, sometimes it's a moment-by-moment kind of surrender, right? Lord, I give you my mouth again. I surrender my words. It's that constant conversation of surrendering your words to the control of the Holy Spirit. Then here's the second thing, and this is critically important. As you sense the Holy Spirit of God bring conviction about some words Maybe it wasn't the right thing. Maybe it was the right thing, but it wasn't at the right time. Maybe it just wasn't in the right way with the right heart. Here's the second thing. Seek reconciliation quickly when your words have been wrong. Surrender back to the Lord, but then you need to seek reconciliation. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 6. Look, this is so powerful. Proverbs 6 says, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, if something that's come out of your mouth has caught you, you realize you hurt somebody, you offended somebody with the words of your mouth. Look what he says. If you've been snared by the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Look what he says. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand or like a bird from the hand of a fowler. You know what that's talking about? Quick. You ever seen the Discovery Channel when the hunters are coming up on the gazelle? You seen that gazelle take off? The theme song is not ga-doom, 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 ga No, man, when that gazelle takes off, it's like it's been shot out of a cannon. If you realize that your words have hurt somebody, they didn't come out right or it was the wrong heart at the wrong time, he said, man, like a gazelle, quickly, go make it right. Go make it right. I had to do it this week. I'll just be real transparent. Two two weeks ago, I called Pastor Tom on our team about something. Something he and I needed to have a conversation about, but I called him right after I had gone through two or three emails that were a little combative. And the engines were running hot. Wasn't the right time to make that phone call. Tom and I needed to have a conversation, but we didn't need to have it the way I made it happen on the phone hung up the phone and my wife said you think that was the right time to pulled Tom in my office this week and I said hey man um, just want you to know I'm sorry we needed to have a conversation but man that was the wrong heart and it was the wrong time Why would you do that? Here's why you do that. Because the scripture teaches us that to be wise with your words is to be careful. And that means a moment by moment surrender to the Holy Spirit of your words. But also it means that you quickly seek reconciliation with your brother or sister in Christ, your neighbor, when you realize. So so to seek reconciliation, first of all, means you make it right with your neighbor. But then secondly, you make it right with your father. Because after you make it right with him... Proverbs says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. 
after you make it right with them, then you go make it right with your father. Say, Lord, that was wrong. I embrace your forgiveness. And I make a fresh surrender of the words of my mouth to you. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. A wise way to live is to be careful with our words.